Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of the Cognicast. Our guest today is Lynn Grogan, and I'm your host, Craig Andera. Only really have one thing to talk to you about today before we get to the show, and that is the feed for the podcast. Although we have a new name for the show, Cog- the Cognicast, to go along with the new company, uh, we haven't yet completed the process of moving everything over to the new website, Cognitech.com. So a couple of people have asked about the feed, and the, the answer is that for now, it stays right where it is on thinkrelevance.com. We will be relocating at, that at some point, but uh, we just haven't gotten that done yet. We'll be sure to give you plenty of notice, and we're going to do our best to make that whole transition as seamless as possible. But if you are looking for the subscription link for the Cognicast, it is on the thinkrelevance.com, off of the thinkrelevance.com blog. So, uh, And there's uh, information about that on the Cognicast webpage at cognitech.com slash podcast. So should be pretty easy for you to find. I think that's all we have, so we'll go ahead and go on to the episode. Welcome, everyone. Uh, today is Friday the 13th in September 2013, uh, but we are lucky, very lucky, to be joined uh, here today by Lynn Grogan. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Hi, Craig. And actually, I, I should say, I'm sorry to jump on you there, but I should say welcome to the Cognicast. Yes. Uh, and that's the first time chronologically that I get to say that because although we've recorded a couple shows that will air before this one goes out, most likely. And we've recorded a couple shows um, since the one with Justin and Rich. Uh, this is the first time where I'm talking to somebody who uh, you know, is kind of in the know about what's going on. So I'm super psyched that we can kind of launch into the, the new show and, and super psyched that um, it's with you because I think we have some really interesting things to talk about. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, as you have been a guest on the show before, you know what's coming next. Although last time you were on with uh, Marco and Alex. And yes. We let them choose. So this. I is your... made them choose. I don't want to be on the hook. Oh uh, well, you're on the hook now. We got what? What song do we come in with? Here? All right. So we're gonna come in with um, a band called Shovels and Rope, and the song is called The Thread. Okay. Cool. Is that any personal significance in there for you, or? Um, yeah, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but um, back when I lived in San Francisco, I was watching an episode of True Blood, and at the very end, they played this awesome song, and I was like, I, I must know who this is, but um, oddly enough, living in San Francisco, I didn't have a smartphone with Shazam, so I spent probably about a month trying to figure out what the band, uh, or who the band was, and so um, I finally figured out that it's this band, Shovels and Rope. Um, so we're not listening to the song that was at the end of True Blood and that episode, but um, this is another equally good song. Oh, super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, great. So I, like I said, we do have interesting things to talk to you about other than your music's choice, which is interesting in and of itself. Um, they're kind of two big ones, and I'm trying to decide where I want to start. I think maybe we'll start with the one that's a little bit more unusual 
relative to other things we've had on the show because you took uh, recently uh, – well, I'll put it this way. You are just recently back from an adventure, capital A yes. adventure. Um, and I'll, I'm going to let you talk about it for a while. Sure. Um, so at the beginning of this year, 2013, I um, – decided to fulfill a goal of mine, um, something that was on my bucket list to do a long distance hike. Um, originally back in the day when I first heard about long distance hikes, it was the Appalachian Trail, which is 2000 plus miles and it takes people typically about six months. Um, when you have a job, that's kind of impossible to do um, without quitting. So um, I decided earlier this year, I'm like, I'm going to find something and I'm going to do it this year and I might take up all of my vacation time to do it. So um, I found the John Muir Trail, which is um, goes from Yosemite down to Mount Whitney. And it's about, uh, it's officially 211 miles. Um, they are a little uh, mean with this because they end, uh, the, the trail ends at the top of Mount Whitney um, and then you need to hike another nine miles to get to an actual endpoint where they have cheeseburgers. <laughs> so um, I decided to do that, and um, it took me about 21 days to complete. Um, and uh, it was a solo journey, though uh, I think through conversation you'll find out that um, a trail like this is hardly solo. There are a lot of other people out there. They call it the um, John Muir Superhighway because <laughs> there are a ton of people out there doing it. So, yeah, it was an excellent adventure. That's, that's, that's super cool. I mean, you know, we heard you actually talked quite a bit about this before you went. And so we yeah. all knew you were going and I just, I've done some backpacking, never 200 miles, but I've done, you know, multiple days solo and stuff. And so I guess my first big question is how, how was it? It was amazing. It was, um, so much better than I thought it would be. Um, my, primary goal going out there was not to die. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I didn't really anticipate how social it would be and how much of, um, of a community there would be out there and how, um, immediately people kind of latch on to each other. They just kind of have a different understanding of each other. Um, I think, um, I, in my brain, it was sort of like, we're all the type of people that want to run away and join the circus, um, but instead we're, you know, doing this trail. And so there was just this camaraderie out there um, that you just don't really find any other place. Usually when you get to know people, it's, you know, you see them once, maybe you have coffee down the road, and it takes a long time. You get to know a lot about people when you do a trail like this because it's sort of, um, I guess, similar to sitting next to a random stranger on an airplane. You don't really expect to see them very soon again or at all again in your life. So you kind of spill everything, um, which, which was an amazing experience uh, to have that. Um, and then the trail itself is one of the most beautiful hiking trails in the world. It's listed, I think, I think the book is um, Best Hiking Trails in the World or something by Peter Potterfield. And it's the, um, I want to say it's like the first one listed in the book is the John Muir Trail. So, um, so you have the beauty out there and you have the camaraderie. So two things that um, surprised me every day, I would just, look at the scenery and just start laughing at some situations just because I'm like, I don't understand how, how this exists in the world. So, um, I can't remember what your question was. Oh, no, no, no. I answered it. No, you totally did. Cause my question was basically, how was it? And it sounds yeah. like the answer is, uh, really great, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and layered. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's kind of uh, drill in a little bit. Um, and I'd like to start with, kind of maybe some of your preparations because yeah uh, I, and I'd, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about um how you decided to to 
take a big hike and how you decided yeah. this particular trail? Because you mentioned it's on your bucket list, but was it as simple as, eh, I'm just going to do it? Oh, or no. was there more to it? There's much more to it. Um, you have to get your wilderness permit 24 weeks in advance. And I think part of the reason they do that is because there's so much preparation involved. I think over that time, I spent about an hour a day researching and planning. Um, so that just is an incredible amount of time to spend thinking about something. I had no idea. Um, I think the first agonizing thing I had to deal with was just gear. Like I'm, um, I think this is probably surprising, but I'm not an experienced backpacker. Um, I've only gone out on a few tr weekend trips before this. Um, so I didn't have any gear. I had to kind of start from the very beginning. And um, I, there's so much information out there. If you go on Backpacking Light, um, which is um, an ultralight backpacking forum, it's just back and forth, back and forth with what's the best piece of gear, um, how you can do this. And there are so many more men on these forums than women. So it's hard to know um, with different body shapes what's going to work for um, a woman's body. So just going through all that detail is really really um, time-consuming and agonizing, and I felt a lot of anxiety even about purchasing my first piece of gear. Um, I think the first thing I bought was probably a backpack. Um, but it, uh, it um, so just that preparation, um, and then there's also just a lot to know about the trail itself. Um, hiking in the Sierras is a lot different than what we have in North Carolina. Um, I did some training hikes on the Appalachian Trail, um, which is... Um, for the most part, uh, the, the places that I went was pretty easy going. You'd have packed dirt. Um, it'd be relatively cleared off. You might have a, a root or a rock here or there. Um, but I couldn't have prepared for um, what the terrain was like on the Sierras. It was different every single day. You might be hiking in sand, um, loose um, rocks the size of um, baseballs, um, uh, Roots, anything. So um, the potential for injury was great. So, I mean, I did what I could while I was here, but I definitely didn't prepare enough um, for a trip like that. There was a lot of on-site training that went on. Um, <laughs> well, so, I mean, there's always going to be a first time you hike 200 miles, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't know. I just uh, I didn't expect to like it so much. Hmm. Um, but so it was great, yeah. So you would do it again? Oh, hell yeah. I wished, I actually really was like, when I got to the top of Whitney, I was like, I wish I could just turn around and do it again. Really? And go back. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, once, uh, the weather was amazing. I think that contributed to it. No mosquitoes. Mm. Uh, so I started um, uh, August 15th. Um, so all the mosquitoes had died at that point. Um, there was no snow. Um, the river's relatively low. But even that, I mean, those are just terrain issues. Um, just uh, being out there, away from a computer, um, away from most technologies, um, uh, there was, um, you probably noticed in the news, um, fires in Yosemite, which are still going on right now, um, which uh, we, we could see the clouds, but we had no idea what was going on. Um, it's, I can't remember the last time I was in a situation where... Um, you couldn't get information in an instant. You had to rely on the people walking by. I mean, most of us looked off the top of, um, I think it was Silver Pass, 
and saw these mushroom clouds. And we actually just thought that bomb had gone off at Yosemite. Um, it's just this really crazy experience where um, it, it's hard to even prepare for not having technology and not knowing how to get information um, in this way that you would expect to be able to get it uh, on, on most regular days and, you know, your regular life. So I've, I've definitely had the experience myself yeah. when, when backpacking where you're out there and you're with your friends or maybe you're by yourself and you realize that things could be happening and yeah. you, you wouldn't know. You would have no idea. Oh, no, no idea whatsoever. At one point, um, a few other hikers and I went in and we stayed in town in a hotel room and someone had gotten online and they're like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff going down with Syria right now. Oh. And, you know, just no idea. Absolutely no idea. So, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know. There's just so many different aspects of this trail that just couldn't be prepared for. <laughs> um, even though I, I don't know, you, you do what you can, I guess you can obsess a lot about things, but, um, I'm pretty easygoing. So I didn't really make an itinerary. I just knew that I needed to do around 10 to 12 miles a day. Which, so. which by the way, is a pretty darn respectable pace. I mean, I've done, I've done backpacking and uh, especially if you're in terrain that's not, you know, like a, a paved trail. Yeah. That's, you, you gotta, you gotta keep moving if you're going to do 10 or 12 a day. Yeah. I was not one of the fast people on the trail. There were all these, um, a lot of like recent grads from college were out there and they were just speedy. They would like hike three miles an hour and then they would stop and go cliff diving, you know, or into, <laughs> into the river. I was like, I just don't, I can't, I can't keep up with that. But, um, yeah, I think my best day was around 19 miles. Um, that day I really wanted a cheeseburger. So, <laughs> Um, I knew I was hiking into one of my resupply points, so I was able to get real food. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about food in a second. I want to I want to wind back though a little bit because uh, one of the things I'm interested in is like why how yeah. you decided to do this. Like, what was it that motivated you to do a long hike, and then and then how you came to decide on this trail specifically? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I like to do something almost every year that challenges me. Um, this year specifically, I just felt like I was starting to ask permission to live, if that makes sense. Um, and I just wanted to do something that challenged me and um, kind of rebuilt a confidence for me. And I felt like doing something like this would would fulfill that um, and would put me out there to challenge me um, in ways that it's really difficult to challenge yourself on, on a daily basis. So, um, so I, I felt like the timing was right for that. I, I think that um, I, I read a lot of books about hikers and doing long distance hikes. And a lot of people will say something about the trail just compels them. Um, this um, for, I've read a book, a few books lately where people are deeply religious and they, they speak about like a calling and feeling like a calling. And I was like, I, I'm not, um, very religious, but, um, I, I feel compelled. I've just, I felt like this is something I need to do right now. Um, and the feeling just didn't go away and didn't, wouldn't stop going away. Um, and so I knew that I needed to do something about it. Um, January was, you know, uh, right after new year's, it's like, okay, well, Let's, let's see if we can do something this year, sort of, I guess, New Year's resolution style. Um, so uh, 
can't remember who I heard about the trail from. I lived in San Francisco for five years, so um, I'm sure it just came up along the way. Um, I, I think a friend of a friend had done it with his dad, um, and that, that's probably the first time I had heard of it. And um, it just sounded like this thing that I couldn't do. Like, I just... When I heard about it, I was like, 200 miles, that's crazy. I, I'm not sure that I could do this. Um, that, that was my feeling at the time. And this year, I was like, I, I might be able to do it. I, I think I could get out there and um, just put one foot in front of the other. So um, I think it helped, though, too. Last year, um, beginning of the year, I'm, I'm not a runner. And uh, the last year, I decided to do a half marathon. And, you know, just I think doing that and having the um, progressive increase in mileage every every month up until the half marathon kind of convinced me like, yeah, you know what, you can build up and you can do something really cool like this. Um, so I think there were a lot of thoughts like that going through my brain. Um, but it, it wasn't specifically like I just wanted to, I wanted to do a long distance trail and the John Muir trail really fulfilled that, um, that, that part of it. So, um, so yeah. That is super awesome. I, I really, yeah. I think it's great to, you're making me think about what, what sorts of things I should take on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, my, my wife might not thank you. Um, no, I know. <laughs> I, uh, it just, yeah, I think I, I've done a lot of random things. I'm not like an extreme sports person. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane, but I do like to do things that are just outside the reach. Like I said, pretty much once every year. Cool. So, Yeah. So now I, I we didn't mention this at the top of the show. Um, people maybe heard you on the, the the when you were last on, but uh, you know your your job at at uh, oh Cognitech. Hey, I can say that your job at, at Cognitech. Cogn yeah, at Cognitech is um, is uh, many layered. You do quite yes. a few things for us. Um, one of the things that you do for us is you are our wonderful events coordinator. So for example, you have a primary responsibility for putting on the Conj, which we are yes. all super excited about, and so. I wonder, as long as we're talking about prep, I wonder whether any of your skills as an event planner or things that you huh. picked up as part that part of your job were handy as you were preparing for this. I mean, really, you, I mean, planning is pretty yes. important. You, you can't just go, oh, geez, I forgot, you know, a canteen, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, this is a planner's dream. Um, it was almost too much for me. Um, Anybody who's incredibly organized and anal retentive about it would love this. Um, I actually was told by one park ranger when I pulled up my plastic folder with all of my paperwork and documentation, like, oh, wow, you really you really have all this together and organized, um, which, uh, which I think speaks to that. Um, it, it was almost too much planning to be honest there's so many things that you could plan for I remember reading one person's trail journal that said by the time you get to the trail you'll know every turn and every pass and um, that person clearly had watched every single video that was out there and had studied the maps very closely um, in this way that um, I never wanted to I never wanted it to be um, I, I always wanted it to be a mystery um, what was coming next I didn't want to know beforehand. So, um, so on, on the one hand, I did plan a lot for um, gear. Um, I did not plan enough for food. Um, 
and getting there and getting away is a huge pain in the ass. So I had to plan, I had to look into that quite a bit and much more than you would ever expect for a trail, a trail that seems like it should be established. What do you mean by that? Like what was the, Oh man, it's, uh, um, getting to Yosemite is pretty straightforward. I flew into San Francisco Getting out at the end is um, you're in Lone Pine, California, which um, I was delighted to find out is where they shot the movie Tremors, if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Giant worms under the ground. Yeah. Um, Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's it's really silly to get out of there. Like you, um, there's a bus that runs, there's one bus that runs Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and there's a different bus that only runs on Wednesday. Um, I ended up needing to, it's only like a six hour drive from there back to San Francisco. And I think I ended up in two different buses and it took me about 12 hours. Um, and I had to go through um, Reno, Nevada, which is, um, if, if anybody looks at the map, not direct at all <laughs> to get back. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty big letdown to do an awesome hike and then be like, oh, I am stuck in a bus for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a car is advisable if you can get one. Um, I hitchhike a bit on the trail, mm -hmm. so um, I was actually hoping to hitch back, but um, I didn't meet anybody that was going my way. Yeah, so, that's the one yeah. time I've done done yeah. any hitchhiking is backpacking, which we can't oh, yeah. necessarily recommend to people, but you know. Nope, no recommendations there. No, yeah. you know, I met, it's not traditional hitchhiking, standing on the side of the road with your thumb out when you right. never know who's going to drive up. I met one couple um, on a shuttle bus. I mean, their names were Denise and Dewey, and they um, had children that also had D names, and they were, you know, retired and traveling in their RV. So it was, you know, like, pretty safe. You know, I'm, I've thoroughly vetted them on the shuttle before I accept a ride with them. They didn't seem like they were going to be axe murderers or anything. So, um, yeah. So, I, want, I wonder but, if you'll indulge, okay. indulge me in a story real quick. Uh, About... Yeah, so uh, I, I, I was backpacking in um, Glacier National Park, and we actually had to divert because of forest fires. Like the ranger mm -hmm. came up to us at one point and said, sorry, you can't go back the way you came, which is our original plan, which honestly was great as far as I was concerned because I'd rather do something like where you did one way. I don't want to see the yeah, same yeah. ground again. Um, but what it meant was we came out someplace where we didn't have a car, and so we said, well, there's a, there's a group of us, but you know, it's going to be easier to get a ride if there's just one person. So I said, well, I'll go, I'll go back to the car, <laughs> which we also did not know whether it was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I got to the road and I stuck my thumb out and, um, you know, in like, it was actually interesting, you know, inside the park, people would drive by and they would stop to say, I'm really sorry. The car is totally yeah. full. You're right. Like they'd apologize and then drive on as opposed to just like leaving you in the dust. But second or third car came by. I said, oh, I can take you so, as far as such and such. And so they gave me a ride. And so there I am uh, at this kind of crossroads area. And I stick my thumb out. And the first car that pulls up is a pickup. And it's got two guys in it. And they're pretty grizzled looking. But that's not surprising when you're where you are. You know, people haven't necessarily been shaving every day or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they like, hop in. And they say, so uh, where are you going? And I told them the name of the the area where I was going I forget but you know it's like that was like right where we were parked and they traded this look and uh it was just this thing where clearly they they th that there was something significant like they both understood what the other person was thinking yeah. um and they said oh well that that's right where we're going and uh, the, those two things together I was like I'm gonna die or at least something <sighs> horrible is gonna happen to me um 
but it all turned out fine. Obviously, I'm here. Nothing bad. I mean, the, the look was just, uh, wow, that guy just happened to name the place that actually is exactly where we're going. But I didn't find that out until, like, we arrived. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was a half an hour in the truck of going. <laughs> Agonizing. Uh, yeah, I, I hope this is the trail to not, you know. Not death. Yeah, exactly. Not the uh, an abandoned van in the in the wilderness somewhere. So. Oh yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right though with the stopping. Like we, I think um, when we when I was finally in a car, people, you know, we stopped and said, "I'm sorry, we can't take you." Um, one of the guys um, I met on the trail, um, he hit like hitchhiker gold. We decided because um, some some people their generosity is just amazing. Um, Patrick was taken out to lunch, given a pitcher of beer, given a shower. Um, that guy later picked up all of us, took us to the grocery store, and then later came back and paid for all of our dinners. Oh. So, yeah, I think there's just like a really incredible range out there of um, people who've been in similar situations and just love to sit and hear stories and love to help people out. So it's amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. And I think it's different, too, when it's that context, like not random person on the side of the interstate, but, you know, someone with a backpack in a park. Yeah, fellow adventurer. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to make sure that, speaking of adventure, we've been talking for a while, and this is really interesting, but we haven't actually had you set foot on the trail. So I wonder if you can kind of describe, maybe, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but if if it is, uh, like, you got there, you know, you arrived at the trail, you're like, here we go. And you took your first step. I mean, it was, what was that? Well, what was that like? First you have to go to the wilderness station to get your permit. Um, and so I got there and, um, I actually got there a day early, um, just so I could stay in the backpackers camp and get, um, kind of used to the area. Um, and I walk in there and they're like, do you want to start right now? <laughs> um, and you know, I had that moment where I was like, maybe, maybe I do. Um, and it turns out it was the best decision ever to say no, because, um, the very first day on the trail, I was, I was super excited to start. Um, I got a little bit of a late start around 9.30 or 10, um, which is, you know, kind of late when it's hot out. Um, I, I was super jazzed to get out there. Um, you know, I had some random people take my picture at the beginning. Um, and I started hiking up, and, you know, everything was great. Um, and I get to a point where there's a junction and there is a sign propped up that says, um, uh, consider taking the, the John Muir Trail. It's much less steep and, and harrowing. And I was like, oh, okay. And I took that to mean I should take the trail where the sign was propped up. So I'm hiking along. And it's um, down this really steep staircase, and I should have known better, um, down to the base of this waterfall. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And uh I, I thought that I was about one mile away from where I was camping for the night. So I get almost all the way to the bottom. And some guy says to me, hey, congratulations on finishing your six-day backpacking trip. And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? This is actually the first day of the John Muir Trail for me. And he's like, you're almost back at the trailhead. Ah, uh, yeah. And so at that point, a dad with, like, his 10-year-old son were walking by. And the son was like, I'll show you where the trail is. Um <laughs> And it was just this really embarrassing moment. It's like, oh, my God, I am starting out on this long journey. And I, like, missed a very clear trailhead. And now a 10-year-old Boy Scout is showing me the way. Like, I, it's just, it, it was the worst. And it was, like, one of the most difficult climbs that I think I had of the entire trip getting back up to the top there. Um, but, yeah, it was a very embarrassing moment. 
<laughs> for me. <laughs> and I realized I was like, I don't, I'm going to need to ask directions and make friends on this trail because I am, I am not very good at navigation. And I thought, I, I just knew after that, um, that I might need some help. Yeah, so, and the um, consequence of course is carry this 30, whatever pound yeah. backpack an extra two hours yeah. or something. Yeah, it was an extra, I think it was an extra two hours. Um, so, uh, the very next day, um, I think I made my first friends on the trail because I got to a junction. I didn't know where I was going to go. And then I walked up to them and asked directions. Um, and they sent me on the right path. And so I actually ended up hiking with that couple for, um, a, off and on for the next week or two. Um, and then they ended up having to leave the trail because one, um, one member, Michelle, she got sick. Mm. So, um, but yeah, no, it was just really like that first moment was really embarrassing. And I just, I think it was probably good for me to have a humbling moment on that first day because it made me much more open about how much I was going to need other people and how much I was going to need help along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, that was, that was the first foray. It was beautiful though. I mean, I have this picture of the base of the waterfall I wouldn't have otherwise had. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, if you're going to get lost, at least you should get lost someplace beautiful. Hmm. That's, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I mean, it, you know, you were still healthy. Actually, so this is a good question. I was like, you know, it could have been worse. You could have happened at a point where, you know, maybe yeah. you were struggling or something. But I, I actually, that raises an interesting point, which is, um, so, so, I mean, obviously you said you had to average like 10, 12 miles a day. So yeah. this took you about three weeks then, I guess? Yeah, 21 days. Okay, so I, I have to imagine that in 21 days, more things happened to you than we could possibly talk about in yeah. the time we have. but. I wonder if you could hit some of the uh, the low and highlights for us, some of the interesting things that happened to you. Um, well, I had one day that was really low that ended up being one of the highlights of the trip. Um, it was a day before a resupply. So resupply is where you would hike out someplace and you would have, I shipped myself boxes along the way. So I was going to pick up this box. Um, and I'd already been hiking for probably about six or seven hours that day. And I realized um, I had only had about maybe 900 calories. You really need about 2,500 to 3,000 um, to keep your energy up throughout the day on a, on a hike like this. Um, and so I was low. And I knew that I had another like three or four miles to go before reaching a point where I could stop for the day um, and be on track. So um, I was kind of hiking along. And I'm like, man, I just... I just need something to happen to lift my spirits a little bit because I was just about ready to sit down and call it quits for the day. So I'm walking along and I see these two older women come up and they have llamas Um, and llamas are not common on the trail. Like it's, it's a very weird thing to see out there. Um, And they're just happy as can be. They're just, you know, the llamas are stopping to eat everything and they're just, you know, they, they're just these wonderful people and they were just, really cheering me on. They're like, it's great to see another woman out here. You know, we'll drink and have a drink in your honor next week when you finish the trail. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. I was like, this is, this is wonderful. I saw some llamas. I love this. So I keep walking along and I was like, oh, what else? I'm like, this is good, but I need a little bit more. And, um, I hear guitar playing and just like the llamas, a guitar is very strange to hear out in the, the wilderness because nobody carries a musical instrument because it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I go around the corner, and I see this man playing a tiny guitar, and he's just strumming away. And I go up to him, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I just got this really sweet backpacker's guitar. It's, 
you know, it's, it's this new thing that just came out and I'm super excited about it. And so I was like, okay. So, you know, you kind of play a song for a while. It's like, all right, this is great. This is great. So I keep walking and I was like, I'm doing a little bit better, but I just, you know what I really need right now is I really need some snacks. That's what I need. And I'm like, how am I going to get some snacks? <laughs> I am waiting to hear this one. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I keep walking and I've, I've just gone over this hill and I get to this point where you just see these beautiful lakes everywhere. It's the um, Ray Lake area, if anybody's been out in that, that spot. Um, I'm walking along and I, I see these people pass me and the first guy's got a shovel. So I was like, oh, I was like, well, what, what are you doing out here? He's like, oh, we're the soil crew. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, we test the soil. I was like, oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. So I was like, huh, okay. So then a woman comes by and she has like a weird looking trowel. I was like, okay, okay, that's that's cool. So the third guy comes along and he's also got a shovel. And I was just like, man, I really wish that you guys were the snack crew and not the soil crew. And he's like, what? And I was like, I wish you guys had snacks. And he's like, oh, you need snacks? And he just starts pulling out all of these snacks out of his, his backpack. And he's got like full fish crackers and granola bars and fruit snacks and like like a half a carrot that I'm pretty sure that like he had fed to the horse, but I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and he just pulled out all these things. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this is the best thing that's ever happened. And, and then this other woman comes up and she gives me some snacks too. Probably just like, I, it was like more than I had probably eaten for the entire day. They had just handed over to me. Um, when I was about ready to fall over, I was like, you guys are the best. And so um, I thought I was going to be, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I hope the next thing that you wished for was total enlightenment. <laughs> I didn't, I unfortunately didn't ask for that and it started <laughs> raining. So maybe I missed a message someplace in there. That's all right. But, uh, That's, snacks are, snacks are great. Have you ever seen that video? I think you have. I think in fact, oh I was with you when you yes. saw it. So just to describe to everybody else who might not have seen it, there's a really amazing video and we'll put a link in the show notes of this guy whose name is Kixby. <laughs> And he's, he walked to the South Pole, right? Like he walked to the South Pole and he had left uh, caches of supplies for himself along the way. And this video that he took of himself solo, on the way back, he comes to one of these caches and I guess he had, lo he had lost like 70 pounds by this point. He was just, you know, he, it was 70 days of the same boring food at this point or something ridiculous. And he finds like a chocolate bar and he practically falls over with ecstasy. He's laughing and yelling. And I'm picturing you having kind of similar feelings <laughs> at that point. I was so happy. I, I, I can't describe. But yeah, it's that same feeling. Like this happiness that you don't know what's inside of you. And it's like, it's, it's, it's really like food you would never even accept from somebody out in the real world. But out there, it's the best thing ever. Um, and the funny part about this story is um, one of my friends on the trail ended up camping next to these guys um that night um and i didn't see her but she said later that she overheard them the next morning and they were asking this guy like man what happened to all your food and he's like oh i gave it to that girl <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like i need to hunt those people down and send them a big box of snacks or something yeah. so um i also want to say that so i camped it by this lake um that night and the very next morning i saw a bear the only bear that i saw on the trip um, I saw in that area. So I just felt like that whole space was filled with magical things trying to make me feel better. And so, I mean, a, a bear encounter is something that most people, or at least some people would 
considered to be a negative, but um, obviously you see it as, you know. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, okay, if you saw the look on the bear's face, the bear was clearly, like, inconvenienced, but realized, like, had this look like, oh, you you guys have the upper hand. I'm just going to saunter away. So <laughs> it it wasn't very close either. You saw the picture. It's It wasn't close at all. So um, it is unfortunate, though, because the people right after me that I ran into later that day, the bear jumped into the water, and they got a picture of the bear mid-water. Oh, cool. Like, getting in there. Yeah, super cool. So um, I wish I would have seen that. But, yeah, no, I, uh, I would not be excited about seeing a bear any nearer to me. I would not be excited about seeing a mother bear with cubs either. Oh, yeah. So, no. So you really haven't seen a bear? Uh, uh, no. I, no, I've never. I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've never, never backpacking, although... Um, a lot of my backpack, well, I've, I've certainly been backpacking plenty of places where there are bears. I mentioned Glacier. That's grizzly, yeah. co- grizzly country, which, um, I would be happy to see one, you know, maybe a little even farther away than what your picture looked yeah. like. Cause obviously that's a bigger deal than a black bear. But, uh, but I have, however, uh, and this was super cool. And quite honestly, I would prize it personally above the experience of seeing a bear. Uh, I have encountered a wolf while on the trail. Cool. Yeah, that was super neat. Did you get pictures? No, I didn't. I don't. I didn't have a camera. This was in the days before, you know, always having your phone with yeah. you and everything. So it was just, you know, came around a corner. It was standing there in the trail, looked at me, loped off into the woods. That's so cool. It's almost better you didn't have a camera because I think you would have missed most of that moment. Yeah, otherwise. right. I mean, we were mm-hmm. just talking about this the other day. How you know, like for me, it's not so much you know animals in the wilderness, but like with my kids where. You know, if I have a camera in my hands, uh, I find that I have an unfortunate tendency to spend more time attempting to capture the experience yeah. than experiencing it. It's like I've actually been to stuff where I couldn't tell you whether my kid's dance recital was any good <laughs> because it was like, oh, man, ISO is wrong and which lens should I put on? It's just dumb. It's really. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, so but, uh... actually, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, because you met, this came up uh, a, a couple times now, and, and it is a big deal, and I've had this experience myself, but um, you mentioned specifically uh, that food was something yeah. that you maybe learned something about. Oh, man, I packed the worst things for myself. I had such food envy every single day. I thought that I was going to be totally fine every day, mountain house, like lasagna. Like, that's, you need variety. Um, I put the same thing in every single resupply pack. Mm. Uh, which is also a terrible idea. Um, so, uh, I, I just, I would do all of that differently. I'm really happy that what I had focused on was having a super light backpack, um, because I think that would have challenged me even more than the food, but the food was secondary. Um, I, I don't know what I will do differently in the future. Um, a lot of people had made their own food on, you know, like via dehydrator, so I might go that route, but um, there are a lot of interesting products out there, um, and I saw a bunch of them on the trail, so I'm going to have to do some investigation later. But honestly, by the third resupply, I was in a town, and I just went to the grocery store, and I raided the candy aisle. <laughs> um, it, it, it was really irresponsible. I got back, and um, someone's just like, is that all you have in there? Like, do you have any real food? Um, but she benefited because I shared my candy, um, which is, it's pretty rare for people to share <laughs> yeah, the all stash. Of, you know, a lot yeah. of their food, especially the good food. But, um, it was, uh, the last two or three days and the last day you go up Whitney, which is Whitney is the, um, 
gosh, it's the highest mountain in the um, 48 states. There's like 14 that are higher in Alaska, but um, the climb up there is kind of a beast. So you really need the candy to get up to the top there. That's got to make it close to 15,000 feet if it's one of the tallest. It's in- almost, yeah, it's yeah. 14 something, something, something. I'll yeah. have to look that up later. But um, that was an interesting experience because we decided to do a sunrise hike. Mm. So we got up at 2 a.m. And I know we got up at 1 a.m. and started hiking at 2 a.m. And um, and that's totally fine because you have headlamps. But um, as we climbed higher, Mary and I realized that both of our headlamps were failing. Um, and uh, I, I had extra batteries, so I thought everything was going to be fine. Um, and as the um, it, it started misting, um, so it's really cold up there. And we could barely see what we were doing and where we were going. And um, so we decided to stop and use my batteries and Mary's headlamp. And we discovered that the batteries were dead. I had dead batteries with me. So failing headlamp. Um, She had GPS with her, so we were able to stay on the trail pretty well. But there's this part where you do these switchbacks and you go through boulders. And we lost the trail. Mm. And um, so we, at about 4 a.m., we're climbing boulders, um, swearing an awful lot <laughs> while our headlamps were failing. And we're like, we might have to just sit here and wait until somebody else comes along, which was the saddest thing ever because you just want to get to Whitney and have these amazing pictures at sunrise. Um, and so finally, uh, we found the way, but it was, it was terrifying. Um, I, uh, I would not do that again. I don't know that I would do a sunrise climb again unless I knew for sure that the clear, the trail was clearly marked. <laughs> right. Um, so we found out after we got off the trail that somebody had actually fallen off Whitney two days prior and had passed away. Oh, so really? it was, yeah, yeah, super sad. But, um, yeah, those things can happen, you know, it's, a. Uh, Parts of it, I have a fear of heights, so parts of it um, were actually better in the dark because had I been able to see down, I don't know that I would have been doing so well. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but it was cold up there. All the, um, the, the rocks were icy up at the top, so I could see how someone might have an accident up there. Sure. Yeah, so. Did you have any, any, I mean, any injuries that you had to deal with? I'm still limping a little bit. Um, not as bad as other people. There were so many people that left at, um, there's Vermilion Valley Ranches is one of the resupply points, really awesome place. Um, but there were about four or five people that were leaving at that point. There was one guy, um, who had fallen, his kneecap had come out of, out of place. He had to push it back in and continue hiking. Um, and to me, I was, I, I think that to me would be an airlift situation of the <laughs> helicopter, but for him, he just kept right on hiking and then left at that point. Lots of ankle issues, lots of knee issues. Um, one, um, I actually met somebody in, in Durham the week before the trip and we, we both, she and I were at the REI and we both discovered we were doing solo trips on the John Muir trail. And, um, she actually fell and severely strained her, sprained her ankle, um, and, and continued on. Mm. So, um, there's a lot of really tough people out there in the world. <laughs> I was fortunate enough that I wasn't challenged in that way. Mm. Cause I don't know that I would have, I, I probably would have exited the trail. Yeah. So I, so I, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, your reentry into society. And yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like you had a lot of uh, a lot of social time on the trail. I yeah, I, I won the longest solo trip I've ever taken was five days, um, and it was a portion of the Superior Hiking Trail, which runs along the North Shore of Minnesota, and it was in hmm. 
late September, so you know people are back in school, and the weather was wonderful. The trail was beautiful. It was really great conditions for camping, but I saw no one. I mean, yeah, I, I, I it was a week, you know, almost a week, six days for five days, and I, I literally, I spent literally, and I, and I'm using the word literally, literally, mm-hmm. uh, five minutes at most interacting with anyone else. Wow. And when I got back, so it was a one-way hike, which I said I like. Uh, and the nice thing about the Superior Hiking Trail is that uh, for a good portion of the part of the year where you'd actually want to hike on it, <laughs> you know, before it's 30 below zero, uh, there's a shuttle that runs um, along the trail. And so you can hike 30 miles or whatever one way yeah. and hop the shuttle and get back to your car, which is great. Um, and so I'm pretty sure I did not stop to take a breath from talking the entire trip back <laughs> in that thing. And so I'm curious to hear, like, you know, when you go from this experience, and your experience was three weeks, not just one week, and yeah. was, the, I mean, you mentioned cheeseburger, so obviously there was, oh, you know, man. things like food and showers and all that good stuff, but what was that, uh, that kind of re-entry like? Was there anything that was shocking or particularly pleasurable or? Not at the time. Not not being on the trail, like you mentioned, it was very social. Um, honestly, it was probably just getting back to Durham and that the whole that whole hiking experience is so different than everything in Durham. It was really it was kinda of hard <laughs> this week just to be like, Oh, okay. Back to the same old, same old, you know? It's just uh it I mean that that's awesome. Yeah, not same old, same old, but you know what I mean? Like no, it's just, I, exactly what you Oh, mean. I had this 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 wonderful experience and it doesn't relate to most things in my life. And um I've now I had a moment where, um, you know, I'd gotten into town. I took like the first shower I'd taken in a week and a half. I was disgusting. Um, but you know, I was like, you know, scrubbing the dirt away and I was like, man, it just goes away so easily. Um, Mm. and that's probably a part of the reason why I haven't gone to the doctor yet to get my foot looked at because it's like the last thing I have other than my really silly farmer's tan. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think that was the hardest part is like, oh, okay, you know, I'm back now. So, hmm. yeah, but, uh, no, I, I, I didn't do anything quite so solitary. I don't know that I would, I really want to. Um, I just watched the documentary, I think it's called deep water and it was about the first, um, nonstop solo expedition sailing around the world. And I don't think that those guys saw another human for eight months and it was just like this, each person just seemed to like went through the devastating experience and went crazy. And so I was like, I don't know if I'd ever want, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to test myself in that way. But I think that, uh, I think it's, it's almost important to do. It makes you realize how much you really care for the social experience in other humans. Yeah. So yeah. what a great segue because, um, I want to make sure that we leave a little time to talk about a great social experience that you yeah. were planning, right? So we're talking about the cons here, right? Where we bring together, you know, it was the first, it was, I believe, the first ever major closure conference, and we're super thrilled to be having this, the, this is the fourth one, right? Fourth, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that's interesting this year about that um, is that we have moved. Yeah. And some people have asked me why that is, but I'll pass the question along to you. You know, we're really looking at all of the feedback from last year, and we do look at those the surveys that everyone fills out. And one of the biggest um, pains for everyone is getting to the conference and getting to the conference location. 
And um, Raleigh is not the most um, public transportation friendly place. Um, and we have a lot, I mean, most guests are not coming from North Carolina. Most guests, and when we're in Alexandria, most guests are not coming from the DC area, um, except for you, Craig, but, right. um, but everybody's flying in. So we just wanted to make it easier um, and a little bit of a change of pace so that um, we're not doing the same thing all over again. Um, which is not a bad thing, but um, so we're trying something else new out this time. Um, hopefully it'll go well. Hopefully the new city will be well received. Um, I certainly enjoy Alexandria. I was just so charmed walking around it. It felt like the least Washington DC type place um, in DC area. I, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I have a secret love of colonial type places because I took all of it. You know, we all went to Williamsburg <laughs> for that company retreat a while back and it's just I don't know, there's something about that area, and I could just envision everybody kind of walking around in twos and threes and discussing, like, what they had learned from the day. And there were just so many areas where it just felt like it was calm, and it just felt like a small enough place where you could look around and see other people from the conference very nearby. Like, it just felt like um, it would be a bigger city, but you'd still have that sense of community. So... Yeah. That's, that's, I love, I, I just, I, I hope that November will be warm enough for people to do, you know, like to go on those, those long, thoughtful walks. Right. Well, I will say, you know, I've lived here for 10 something years now and, yeah. and I, it, I, you know, you never can tell, but I, there certainly have been lots of Thanksgivings where it has been super nice and obviously this is even yeah. earlier in the year. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I think it'll be. It'll be interesting to see what goes on and um, and and how it all plays out. The venue is interesting itself. It's in the Masonic Temple, so um, I know that I'm already going to get complaints because there's a bit of a walk up a hill to get to the temple itself from the hotel. Mm -hmm. It's only like 0.3 miles in between, but it's up a hill. So you know, <laughs> given what we've just been be talking about, me. given what we've just been talking about, they're <laughs> probably complaining to the wrong person. Two more uh, miles, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, lucky for them, the uh, the hotel shuttle will take you up there. Okay. But I think that you will get judgmental looks if you take the shuttle that short of a distance. Uh, well, but, you know, for anybody that 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 needs that because of mobility issues, yes. it's nice to know that's available. So yes, and that's that's part of the reason why I wouldn't have chosen that space if there wasn't some sort of access for people that need it. Yeah, Good. I don't Good. mean to be be cruel about that. Well, you know what, Lynn, you can, I'll tell you right now, you can make fun of me if I take the shuttle, okay? Not that I, I think anyone that needs to take it, I will say nothing to, but if, if you see me taking it and it's not like pouring down rain, then you feel free yeah. to say, no, hey right. man, you could walk. You're going to be running laps around everyone, I just have this feeling. So. Uh, yeah, not so much with the running lately, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's, uh, I want to just stay on the couch for a second more. Is there anything that you think that's different or that you're, I mean, maybe we have some surprises you don't want to talk about right now, but is there anything that you kind of want to let people know about the, the cons this year, even if they've been before, that they, they should look forward to or, or be aware of? Huh. I don't know. I just, I think it's going to be still that continuation on the theme of community and people getting together and being able to share that common interest. Um, I guess it's not anything new, but I just want to reiterate that that's still going to be there, like kind of that nerdy summer camp type of feeling right. um, where people get excited. Because I know that like as conferences move or they grow, you can sometimes learn, lose that. Um, and so I, I feel 
I feel confident that that'll still be there or um, it'll just be maybe a little bit different than being in Raleigh. But um, so um, as far as new and exciting, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head to, to share right now. So. I'm super excited. I mean, look at the talk, the talk line out, the talk line yes, is out yeah. now. Looks great. It, it seems like it continues the trend that we've seen where, um, you know, there's still very much a, hey, I'm working on this really interesting kind of experimental yeah. thing versus, hey, I built, or, or as well as rather, hey, I built this system and here's what I learned and here's how, you know, closure, because it's closure conch, help me, yeah. help me do that or, or the issues that I had or whatever. So I think that's going to be a great mix. Yeah. And I hope to see a lot of new faces this year. I think. Yeah. It seems like the community is growing quite a bit anyway. So it's like, I, I expect to see a lot of new faces. Absolutely. Well, we're all looking forward to it. Um, well, cool. I, I just want to make sure we touch on that, but I also, yeah, uh, I got, it sounds like I'm sure that next time that uh, you and I are in the same place, I'll get another 30 interesting stories about, I know. about your trip. But I, is there, are, is there anything else we should touch on before we kind of wind it down here? I mean, is there, I actually just I made a note because I wanted to shout out to um, I don't know them at all and I can't I don't know their names but there were two really cool records that were set this year um, just recently by people who've done long trails and so I wanted to point that out sure um, there's one woman who set the Pacific Crest Trail record this year um, and I want to say it was like 50 days but it's like a, God, how long is that trail like 2300 miles or something yikes um, it's like 40 or 50 miles a day that one person would hike <laughs> God. Yeah, it's insane. And I just I think that's really awesome. I wish I knew her name at the top of my head. Um, and the other one is is amazing. And I just found out about this, I think, yesterday or the day before um, is a 13 year old girl. And um, she just got the triple crown record for the youngest person to have done it. So triple crown is when you've done Appalachian Trail, Continental the Divide Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. It's over 7000 miles of hiking. Wow. And uh, yeah, she's done it for the last three years hiking with her dad. And uh, I just think that's an incredible accomplishment. It's like you can't even call her a kid or like a young lady. I'm like, that's a woman, you know. <laughs> like mm -hmm. if you've done all those things, you've you've accomplished something really amazing. So I think there's that. It's just it was neat to me to find that out when I got back. That's cool. That's really inspiring. And I, and I, I will say yeah. the same is true of your uh, of your achievement. I mean, it is an achievement. Uh, I've I personally have never done anything even close to that. Yeah. And I think it's great that you just decided to take it on and uh, that you did it and that you had a great time. And I really appreciate you coming and telling us about nice. it. It sounds like it was a really cool, really cool yeah, time. Yeah, it was an amazing, amazing adventure. Um, we didn't talk a lot about resources through this, but um, I'll put some into the show notes. If somebody does listen to this and they're interested in um, finding out more, um, I'll have the various resources that I found helpful. Um, maybe I'll throw a gear list up there as well. Because um, I think that that, those ones are the hardest. It's, it's hard to know what direction to go into if you're interested in doing something like this. Um, I met people who were able to do it in as short as um, two weeks. Hmm. So if somebody didn't have 21 days to spend and they're a, a uh, accomplished hiker, they could they could do it in a shorter period of time for sure. Neat. Well, that'd be great. I, yeah. I think it would be absolutely a great idea to look at, to put those in the show notes. I appreciate you offering to do Oh, this. yeah, for sure. <sighs> Well, Lynn, uh, I think we gotta. We think we gotta wrap it up there. As much as I would love to to keep talking to you, but uh, of course, uh, we give you your second chance to pick a song, yes. the one that we go out on. So, what would you like us All to right. play for you? Um, it's a band called He's My Brother, She's My Sister, and the song is Clack and Heels. Okay, cool. And I, yeah. can I can I ask you? Uh, did you spend? Because we 
we talked before you left. We said, when you get back, we're going to record yeah. the show. Did you spend a lot of time on the trail thinking about the songs you yes. would pick? I would have. <laughs> yeah, I totally did in this way that is really obnoxious because you can't do any research. So you'll get like a, a sound bite in your head and you won't remember who the band is, but you know it's the perfect song. And then you spend the next week trying to figure out how you're going to find out what song that is. So I had that happen with the first song that I picked. <laughs> For this, All right. for this podcast. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad you... It sounds like you've settled on it, though, because you had it right there at the tip of your tongue when it was time to do it, so... Uh, oh, I wrote it down. <laughs> great. Well, well, thanks again a ton for coming on, Lynn. It's been great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about uh, any of the various things that you do for Cognitect or whatever your next big adventure is, because I guess we can count on you to have uh, one a year, it sounds like, so... Uh, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Look the next one. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Craig. Great, and well, we'll thank everyone else for listening. This has been the Cognicast. You have been listening to The Cognicast. The Cognicast is a production of Cognitech Inc., whom you can find on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at Cognitech. Our guest today was Lynn Grogan on Twitter at Lynn Grogan, L-Y-N-N-G-R-O-G-A-N. The Cognitcast is produced with help from Alex Miller, Alex War, Damian Mack, Jamie Kite, Justin Getlin, Kelly Ross, Luke Vanderhart, Lynn Grogan, Mark Phillips, Russ Olson, Sam Umbuck, and Stuart Sierra. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Thanks for listening.